0: Welcome to the great work of your life. Making a commitment to becoming who you are meant to be requires taking risks. We make this commitment without any guarantee that we'll succeed, without any promise that we'll benefit from our efforts. This is what it means to have faith. My name is Rev. Ian Whitemar, and this sermon is part of a series called, What Would You Rather Be Wrong About?, This is a very important question when we consider the choices we make because we're going to make mistakes. But if mistakes are going to be made, I want to wake up in the morning knowing that the choices I made tried to bring more love into the world, even if it didn't work out, even if I was wrong. After you listen, we invite you to go online at community.mvuc.org to share your insights and meet other spiritual seekers, like you, who are devoted to building a wiser, more nurturing world. You will also find a variety of resources designed to help you lean into your life's purpose. Join us at community.mvuc.org. So I realized, actually, as I was stepping up to the podium, I was like, oh, you know, this sermon requires a bit of uh, prior knowledge. (laughs) I just made an assumption from you guys. How many of you remember, how many of you have seen Star Wars? Okay. How many of you remember it? Okay, good. All right, that's enough. We'll, we'll be able to go on with this. If you don't remember it, uh, people will, you can ask questions from your neighbor. So in 1977, which was like yesterday for most of us, uh, but not all, there's a couple of wee ones in here. In 1977, George Lucas released his best known movie, Star Wars. Uh, And despite some questionable acting, it became maybe the most loved movie of all time, right? Sure, there are other people who will put other movies on their uh, best of list, But there's really something unique about Star Wars because it captures the story of the human spiritual pilgrimage. It's the story of becoming who you are supposed to be in better, broader, more epic way than than really any other movie. And there's a distinct moment in the movie Star Wars that hurdles Luke Skywalker onto his journey. It is both brief and oddly unemotional, perhaps implying the inevitability of his call. And, you know, I wrote this line, does anybody remember? Uh, That's a trick question. Don't worry about that. I'll tell you what it is. Because that's a silly line. Does anybody remember the movie line that I'm thinking about? (laughs) That's, so. I don't, sometimes, Ian... Um, it's, it's the, it's the moment when Luke returns home after meeting his new mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he finds the charred bodies of his aunt Beru and uncle Owen. Do you remember that scene? Right? Yeah. Now, if you remember what was leading up to that, Luke was having a frustrating time in his life. His best friends had left to join the rebel alliance, but his aunt and uncle had asked him to stay on the farm one more year. They, unbeknownst to Luke and to us, uh, had been charged with keeping him safe, keeping him out of the sight and influence of his father. Luke was deeply unsatisfied with his life as a farmer because there was something inside of him that was stirring, something that was calling him to become who he was meant to become, but he, he would not leave his aunt and uncle. So when they were killed, there was nothing left for him on Tatooine. Everything had been cleared away, and the only thing left to do was to follow his journey. Now, it's an odd moment in the movie. You know, here there are two people who raised him, essentially his parents, and if we're, and, and we were allowed sort of briefly to see their charred skeletons, which is perhaps the most gruesome scene in the whole movie. <laughs> and I sort of it's peculiar to me anyway, because really what happens is he mourns for a couple of hours, uh, and then he turns to Ben and he's like, all right, I'll go with you to become a Jedi like my dad. <laughs> and, you know, most of us, if we had seen the charred bodies of our parents, would be... Uh, therapy for years. (laughs) At very least, we would not be speeding off to an adventure later that day. Uh, But, you know, it's a movie, and they need to move the plot along, so, you know, there's that. But it's also more than that, because Aunt Beirut and Uncle Owen, you know, from a storytelling perspective, are really, they're symbols. They are symbols. They are symbols of the final attachment a person has before they let go completely. They are the the heavy weights people carry that keep them from following their call. These attachments uh, show up in our lives as fantasies we have about our security, our own limitations, our our sense of legitimacy, and they're the things that keep us from following our call. Some people uh, don't even believe that they are called, but you are. Each of you has a sacred purpose. When Luke's friends left to join the rebel alliance, uh, we know that his uncle Owen asked him to stay behind to work on the farm. And we know there was a conversation, an agreement to stay one more year. And Luke talks about this. You know, he's frustrated. And we see him blame his uncle for keeping him behind when everybody else was going off to lead their lives. But this is not true. This is not true. It is not Uncle Owen's fault. It is not the fault of the attachment of the symbol, right? Luke stayed behind because Luke stayed behind. That's the reason. It's his responsibility. It's true that his uncle didn't want him to go, but only Luke could make the decision to stay or to leave and follow his journey. No one forced him. And this is what makes the movie so relatable. We, two, each of us, have stayed somewhere, in some relationship, in some job, long past the time when we should have left. That's my calling right now. <laughs> Saying, Ian, pick up. <laughs> I'm coming, I'm trying, I'm getting there as hard as I can. I got so many attachments. And sometimes, you know, we say... It's because another person has asked us to say. <laughs> or perhaps we think we don't have enough money saved. Or perhaps we're afraid that we'll never find work or love or meaning if we leave. But none of us stayed in any of those situations, the ones we stayed in too long, for another person or because the timing wasn't right. We stayed... Because we stayed. You know, we talked about this a little bit last week. This is what Arjuna, our hero in the Bhagavad Gita, who we, when he sat down in his chariot and didn't want to make a decision, this is what is, that's about, right? These stories are timeless and always relevant whether they appear in the great spiritual classics or in contemporary cinema because they address the most fundamental question of humanity. Who am I? What is the purpose of my life? This is the most important part of understanding our dharma, our calling, right? No one else keeps you from ever following your call. We make excuses about it, but it really is us. Only you, only me, keep ourselves from following our call. Everything else is an excuse. We know this is true because we have lived it. There have been times in our lives when we have not followed what we felt was our calling, what God was calling us to do, because someone else didn't want us to do it or... or We didn't want to until one day. One day we just did. One day it was almost like the easiest decision and then we wondered why we waited so long. After Obi-Wan Kenobi rescued Luke and the droids from the sand people, they returned to his house. And Obi-Wan gave Luke his father's lightsaber and invited him on a journey to Alderon, and this one I will ask you, does anybody remember, and it's okay if you don't remember, but does anybody remember what Luke said to Obi-Wan Kenobi? It's such a great line for our culture. I can't go to Alderon. I have too much work to do. <laughs> Holy smokes. If that's not the voice of an overproductive culture, Right? Here is a young man dying to get off Tatooine, allegedly, and he learns the story of his father who is a Jedi knight, and he's given a a lightsaber, which is awesome, and he's asked to go on an adventure and save a princess, and he says, no, I have too much work to do. There are always excuses, so many excuses, and I don't say this lightly. I honestly, I say this tenderly, because there's a cost, right? Following our calling is not always easy. It, 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 actually, it's never easy. It means leaving behind so much of what you know, so much of what gives your life meaning, like we the boundaries, the comfort. Even if we're uncomfortable, it's known, which is a form of comfort. And there are many people in the world who would rather live within very small confines of what they know than rather, rather than follow what is calling out from within them. You know, I mentioned this last week, and I believe that this is one of the great sources of suffering and frustration that we see in our world. People are just not living into their lives. You know, Luke Skywalker's calling is more epic than most callings. He goes on to become one of the most important people in the whole galaxy. Not many of us have a calling in this order of magnitude, But comparing our calling, the magnitude and the importance of our calling, to the magnitude and the importance of another person's calling is just another excuse not to do it. We are not all called to be Jedi Knights, but we are called to something. And this doesn't mean that we we don't feel some sadness when we finally decide when we decide to cut off the other choices, when we finally decide to engage in the dharma of our lives, there are always excuses until the moment when we just can't take the excuses anymore and we walk out the door of that comfortable little room to figure out what awaits us. Sadness is natural. You're leaving something behind. You're you're leaving something you know and perhaps something that you really love. Something that may even have been really good to you at other times in your life. It's natural to grieve even as we open the door to a bigger world. Some of you know this so well, what I'm about to say. Even the worst divorce. After the final papers are signed and there's a sense of relief that comes over the two people. Even after the worst divorce... There is some grief because once those two people loved each other and that love has died. It's sad and it's time to move on. Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru are metaphors for attachment in life. And perhaps we might say it's terrible that they had to die, right, for Luke to get on to his call but sometimes that's how life is. Sometimes we have to burn the small room of our making. Sometimes we have to to just burn it all down just to get out of our own way. It's unfortunate when this happens and we might wish it were otherwise. And yet we all get there as soon as we can. You know, when this happens, it is possible that regret follows us on the path. I only wish I'd done this sooner, right? I could have gotten sober at 35. Why did I do it at 50? <sighs> we got there when we got there. Why did I do this degree? I, why? It doesn't do anything for me now. I, I don't know. If only I'd paid attention to the signs, to my gut, to what God was telling me. Don't listen to that voice. It's just the voice of fear trying to turn you back, trying to get you to not follow through on leaving the small, comfortable room. It's the voice trying to keep you trapped in the past when all you really need to think about on your journey is where you are going, where God is calling you to, Where where the divine, whatever is moving through you, is calling you through. And then to go do it. Excuses and regret are not part of the calling, they are just distractions of the insecure mind and the timid spirit trying to knock us off our path. It's not like the journey won't have mistakes. In so many ways, the journey is all about mistakes and then still moving forward. But it doesn't have regret. To understand the sacredness of your purpose in life is to understand that the divine is working through you within a larger field of purpose where your role is critical to others as they realize the sacredness of their purpose, which is why I Believe in congregations. I am realizing myself as you realize yourself. I need you just as you need me. The I and thou of Buber is right. We are becoming together. When it comes to the sacred purpose, people are very attached to outcomes. We talked about this last week. Questions like, will I succeed or will I fail get in the way of bringing forth what is living within us. Do not worry about outcomes. Success or failure. This is from the sermon last week. Success or failure is not the purpose of your calling. It is better to fail while trying to live into the sacred purpose of your life than to succeed at someone else's. Right. Better to fail at being a Jedi than to succeed at being a farmer. Your task is simply to bring as much life force as you can muster to the realization of your dharma. Each of us has a great work that has been laid down before us by the divine. And we can choose to do it or we can choose not to. We have that ability, right? We talked about this with Denise Levertov's poem that angel Gabriel came to Mary and waited. How many people did Gabriel visit before he got to Mary? We don't know because the story doesn't tell us. But did he hit it right on the first tie? Uh, maybe, maybe people said no. We have that choice. No one is forced, although we will suffer if we spend our years fighting who we are. The great work of your life does not mean fame or money or power. It means becoming who you are meant to be. And some of you might be saying, oh, this is the work of younger people. I have already lived my life. What a shame. What a shame. What would have, and what a shame it would have been if Obi-Wan Kenobi had uttered those lines, those words, right? Luke shows up and looks like, and Obi-Wan's like, "Ooh, kid, I've already done it. I'm retired now. The sacred purpose is not restricted to age. It is available to all who understand themselves as living within a larger field of purpose. What is the sacred purpose of this community, of this congregation? What is your role in helping MVUC become the community that it is called to be in the world? And this represents a bias that I have, of which I have many, but this is a bias I have. I believe that we are called to be a beacon. We are called to be a beacon. Our country is fighting for its soul. It is fighting for its soul. Are we going to choose... (laughs) Are we we going to choose nihilism and fly the plane into the ground? Or are we going to choose life? Are we going to choose death? Or are we going to choose life? This church has a role in being a beacon for those who want to choose life. That's my bias. And you have a role in this fight not only as individuals least of all, honestly, as individuals, but as mostly as a body, as a, as a rebel alliance. Communities also go on journeys in search of their sacred purpose. So the, the line of the sermon today comes from the Gospel of Thomas. Right? And those of you who are familiar with the Gospel of Thomas, it's, it's one of the Gnostic Gospels that was like uh, burned, <laughs> after the Council of Nicaea. They tried to get rid of them. But uh, somebody buried them in the desert, and so now we have some. Uh, It's a very Eastern-sounding, you know, sort of... uh, Yeah, it's a very Eastern-sounding gospel. It's quite wonderful. It's mostly sayings of Jesus, and this is one of Jesus' sayings. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. On the individual level, this is some of what I mean when I say we when we look out and we see the great sources of suffering and frustration in the world, it is due to people not living into who they are called to be. They are not Living, no one is called to be a greedy person. That is not their calling. But there is a lot of it, and it has caused so much pain and suffering. No one is called to be uh, someone who, who forces others into into their rules and opinions. That's not their calling, but we see it all around us. It's also true of institutions. When institutions achieve a certain size or age, a culture shift from the mission that brought them into existence, whatever that mission was, It moves. It it goes from like, oh, we got to do this so that we can solve a problem. We we need to create a church here because there's so many people in this area. We need to have a place that a lot of people can go to, right? And then it shifts from outwardly focused and wanting to live into that mission to we got to maintain what we have because maybe we're going to die. Every institution does this. It's a grasping, it's a fear-based contraction. And the mission is no longer about changing the world and making people's lives better, it is about making sure that it doesn't die. But the sad truth is, is when that shift occurs in the culture, it's actually the first step on the path to death. The only thing that keeps any institution alive is nurturing a calling that is relevant to the world which is often not the same mission that originally brought that institution into existence. To live is to change. The divine is calling through you. It is whispering in your ear just at this moment. It might be saying, God damn, when is Ian going to wrap this up? (laughs) That's not the divine. I mean, maybe. (laughs) It it is whispering in your ear as you walk these grounds, as you go through life. It is throwing signs at your feet. It is dancing with joy with each step that you take on the spiritual path. Some of you are following your call right now, and it feels right. It feels right even when there are hard days. No journey is, is without the dark night of the soul where you're like, oh my God, is this what I signed up for? And some of you are, like Luke, saying, just one more season. I'm too busy. I don't have enough of whatever. Don't wait for it to burn all the way down if you can help it. We all enter the path as soon as we're able, but I believe with all of my heart that you have a sacred purpose. I believe it, it is... It's so much, I believe it so much that I gave my life to coming and saying this to you over and over again, right? I have one sermon. (laughs) You are called to something special. Listen to it, live it. That's my only sermon. You just get it in new packages. (laughs) Truly. I'll say it till you believe it. Because I believe it. And I believe in you. Last week we we tried on the cloak of our superheroes. And it was a fun exercise that was designed to frame the idea that's highlighted in this passage from the Gospel of Thomas in, in a more relevant way. What is calling out from within you? Right? Some of you were octopuses, and some of you, you know, it was cool but it was a metaphor, what? Discover what is there, nurture that, and your life will feel meaningful. And then we felt the struggle of trying to blend our individual callings into a common mission in that council exercise, which no doubt was a little more difficult, right? Because in our culture, the individual has supremacy over the collective. I want to do my thing my way. And I'm, I mean, these people are smart, but honestly, I'm a little smarter. (laughs) That's our culture. There is some value in this when you're trying to break into your own dharma, right? But it's equally as important to learn how to work as a collective if an institution wants to have a mission that keeps it alive, If individualism rules an institution, what that community is called to be cannot be brought forth into the world, and ultimately it's destroyed. Bring forth what is within you. Bring forth what this church is called to be. And you will save not only yourself, you will save all of us. Thank you for listening. This sermon is part of the series called What Would You Rather Be Wrong About? where we lean into the need to embrace uncertainty and risk because we are not outcome-oriented. We do this work without any guarantee of success. In our free online community, we've taken short clips to highlight passages from the sermon to help you explore and reflect What these ideas might mean for you You can join the conversation At community.mvuc.org It's a safe place to connect And reflect with other spiritual seekers like you It's free to join And you will also find a variety of other resources Designed to help you cultivate The great work of your life Again, that's community.mvuc.org You may have heard other podcasts asking for a rating and review, which we certainly would welcome. It does help people find us. But we believe the best way to reach more people is through word of mouth. If what you heard resonated with your life and your values, please forward this episode to a friend you think might be helped by the message. We're all in this together, and it's up to each of us to stay connected in this increasingly isolated world. It's a common misconception that awakening or salvation is an individual affair. The truth is, we are interwoven. Physically and spiritually, my joy and safety is connected to your joy and safety. It is only by coming together that we will awaken and love the hell out of this world. If you're local to Alexandria, Virginia, Or if you're just visiting the area, please join us on Sunday. We offer so much more than just a sermon. It's a full-body experience. You can find more information on how to visit the Mount Vernon Unitarian Church at mvuc.org. Again, thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.